I love it. I love it. Okay, well, if you're comfortable, Let's we're going to go. go ahead and get started. Fantastic. So we're Are here. you comfortable over Hear there? that music, and then we'll get ready. She's ready to go. Okay. Always ready. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Morning Fuel. I am your host, John Bundy, and you are here because you believe in the power of the spoken word and its ability to change lives. And that by sharing our stories, we can help others to overcome challenges that they cannot overcome on their own. Whether it's a victory you need to win in business or in your own personal life, you understand that the answers can be found in listening to others who are willing to share their stories, knowing that their story ultimately doesn't belong to them. All right, today's guest, operating from a firm belief that what he is currently doing is what God prepared him for. When asked what his favorite aspect of his business is, he replied, watching people remove their self-induced limitations and succeed in life. His methods for keeping productive involve speaking, writing, small group retreats, and online programs. Advice he gives to others aspiring to succeed as a business owner is, feed the three Ds, desire, determination, and discipline. One thing that he desires others to know about himself is this. He lives every day to have a positive presence that is present when he is not present. Help me in welcoming to the Morning Fuel Podcast family. Founder and star of the monthly virtual seminar focusing on strengthening an aspect of your life that is vital to moving your life forward with clarity, filled with thought-provoking material, and provides you with the insights that will bring strength to your life. Owner of Richard Flint Seminars, Richard Flint. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Welcome, right. and thank right. you for yeah. having me on your show. And you are welcome. I, I've been excited about this, and, and uh, uh, you had called earlier and, and uh, asking if it was video recorded, and I was really hoping you'd wear that bright shirt, man. I'm, <laughs> I was, I'm excited. I'd have been disappointed if you, if you hadn't. So good to see you. Good to see you. Well, um, one of the big things that, that I and my listeners really, really love are the origin stories. You know how Clark Kent became Superman. So we want to know how Richard Flint became the Richard Flint. What, what was what were your beginnings with with starting with speaking? Well, and, and you are right, John. All of us have a story, and that story becomes whatever we live. And so many times, people they they don't understand their yesterday, so they don't understand the story of their life. Um, I was born in New Orleans. Um, if you ask me about my real dad, I can't tell you anything. Uh, if you could see my birth certificate where it says, Father, the name is blank. My natural mother was a prostitute in New Orleans, mm. and I was something she didn't want. So when I was two weeks old, I was given away, and I was adopted into a home where the only reason I was adopted was because my dad wanted a son. My mother never wanted me. Uh, three sisters, none of us are real brothers and sisters, all adopted from different families. Mm. And my mother used to let me know every day that uh, she didn't want me mm. because there was hardly a time when my mother didn't say one or three statements to me. You're the stupidest kid I've ever met in my life. Or you're never going to amount to anything in life. Or the one that would rip my heart out, I am sorry we ever adopted you. Wow. And... My greatest day will be the day when you're no longer in my house. Mm. And, you know, when I was growing up, um, 
like my birthday's next week. God knew I had didn't have a sense of that I I don't have that really deep sense of humor and understanding to something. So he gave me the easiest birth date in the world. I was born two, three, four, five. Okay. And so <laughs> my birthday is actually next is next week. Happy birthday, sir. Well, thank you very much. But when I was growing up, I never had a birthday cake. My sisters did. But at Christmas, we'd come down and there'd be presents under the tree, but there was never anything for me, just for my sisters. And my mother showed me in every way possible that I was not welcome in the singular pronoun, her home. Did you ever get an understanding growing up or ever um, as to what was causing that in her, why, why she was, you know, coming with that sort of attitude? Not really. Um, but I grew to understand that it was her, her way of making a statement about herself. Right. The, one of the statements I'm known around the world for is just three little words, behavior never lies. Mm. And that the essence of truth is not what someone says. Uh, it's what they do. And when I was 16 years of age, when I was 15, I was told that if I was to stay at home, I had to pay room and board. Um, So I got a job, and I'd been 16 for two weeks and called my dad to come get me. I was working at an IGA grocery store in Ardmore, Oklahoma. And my dad drove up in front of the car, in front of the store, just like he did every night. And this time he opened the car door and leaned across, and he said, wait a minute. And when he stepped into a streetlight, I knew what was happening because my dad was carrying a suitcase, and he walked over where I was standing, wow. and the suitcase was set down. And my dad had told me that that night my mother had made the decision I could no longer live in her house. Hmm. And my dad hugged me, and you could tell by the tears in his eyes that this was really tough for him, but he didn't know what to do. Right. And told me, I love you very much, walked back, got in the car, and drove off. And I was left standing there and finally told myself, you can't spend the rest of your life standing here. So I went into downtown Ardmore, Oklahoma. I got a room in the Hotel Ardmore. Uh, John, I went up to the seventh floor where the room was and opened the door and never turned the lights on. Dropped the suitcase and walked across the room and opened the window. No screens and crawled out and sat on that ledge and had to make a decision. Do I live or do I die? Oh, wow. And I understand the nature of anyone who can take their own life because the only person that could ever take their own life is a person who feels that if they weren't here, they'd never be missed. And I figured that night if I jumped, my mother would win. And I wasn't about to give that lady that victory in sure, my life. Sure, good thing you had that, that thought. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, God is really interesting because the next morning I picked up the phone and I called a gentleman who— his two children were my best friends. And I told Troy what had happened. He said, you wait there. Don't leave. Don't do anything. And about 30 minutes later, he's in my room, and for three hours we talk. And he finally just asked me, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm not going back there. So Troy helped me find a room in a, with a lady who was the editor of the daily newspaper. And I paid her $5 a week to live in her house. And every day I would get up and I'd go to school and I'd go to work. And I'd come home, and I'd sit at a table in her kitchen until I couldn't keep my eyes open doing my homework. And then I'd go, and I'd crawl in that little room bed in that little room, and I would almost cry myself to sleep because of the fact that every human wants to feel loved. Yeah. 
And one of the things I know about people is that the number one thing that a human life wants to know is that they matter. Right. And during my journey in life, I have found that the thing that pulls people apart the most is when the, the word love takes on the word used. Mm. And, you know, from there I went to college. I went to college on scholarships only I could go. I went from there to seminary in Fort Worth, Texas and got my master's in counseling, my Ph.D. in philosophy. And then I went from there to teach at Ohio University and then was offered the chair of philosophy at Wayne State University in Detroit. And while I was there, the university paid for me to get my Ph.D. in psychology. And then one day the president of the university called me in and told me that um, I was making too much money, and they (laughs) wanted me to donate 18% of my salary back to the university. Wow. And I told him. It's not an issue with me. You can have the whole salary because I'm not coming back. And two weeks after I had resigned from that, I got a phone call one day from a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jess Moody, who was pastor of First Baptist Church in West Palm Beach. And he told me, he said, Richard, don't know you, never met you, but there's some guys on this staff that said, I should call you. We're looking for someone to run our counseling division here in the church. This was a huge church, about 10,000 members. Right. And so for... Basically, four years, I ran that counseling center, and then one day, we had three men in the church who decided they wanted to run the church, and I was in Dr. Moody's office when they came in one day and told him, if we can have your sermons on Thursday night to edit them before you preach them on Sunday, we'll double our tithe, and I'd never seen Dr. Moody mad, but he actually threw him out of his office, Right, and that began the destruction of that church. Wow. Uh, and when it was time for me to go, there were 17 of us on the church staff, and I was the last one to leave. And there was a gentleman in the church, um, a man who understood the word stewardship, which in the Greek is a phenomenal word of being accountable for. Right. And he offered me the opportunity to run a counseling center where people could come free. And so I ran that for a few years, and I wrote some magazine articles that got some international attention and started getting groups that would ask me to come and share my philosophies and my teachings with them. And I love the Counseling Center. I love one-on-one. I love working with people one-on-one. But I would go and do a presentation, come back, and I'd tell God, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life, and the phone would ring. And it would be someone asking me to come do another presentation. And for a year and a half, I struggled with that. And then one day I decided this was the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that God had for my life. And for basically the last 35 years, I have traveled this world from one end to the other, just sharing my research and my insights with people. Right. And I only want three things for people. And I want them to be better. One of the things I've learned— is that most people trap themselves in their circle of sameness because of fear. Mm. And, you know, we're here to have an abundant life. But fear puts it in, puts its in a self-constructed cell. Right. And I know that from the day you're born to the day you die, you'll fight six fears. The fear of the unknown, which is huge today. Sure. Absolutely huge. The uncertainty in this country today is paralyzing. The fear of abandonment, uh, not having anyone in our life. The fear of rejection, 
which in reality, I couldn't reject you if I wanted to. Rejection is what you tell me to do with you. Right, right. And then the fear of failure, which is huge Hmm. with most people because we teach failure wrong. I believe that all emotions travel in threes. And when I study the scriptures and when I I really look, every time I I study the life of Christ or I study teachings, I I see the triangle. And we've taught for years success and failure. Right. So success is the positive. Failure is the negative. So I don't want to fail. And so I, I can't understand what failure is. Right, right. And that we don't want to do anything that we could possibly fail at because we're afraid of that. Yeah. And, and then I understood the third word that's not taught, and that's defeat. Defeat is when you give up. Right. And people ask me, how do you define failure then? It's real simple. Failure is fertilizer. Okay. That's all it is. Right. And every time you get knocked down, there's an opportunity to get up stronger. Sure. And so I want people to be better. And then there's the fear of loss. Everything that you and I want to do with our life has a price tag to it. Mm -hmm. It is financial sometimes. It's mental. It's emotional. It's physical. And it can be spiritual. And then the last one is the number one fear that I see young people struggling with today. And that's the fear of success. Oh, right. Because so many young people today aren't taught how to live. They're taught how to depend on. Mm -hmm. I've got a family. I take on 10 people a year, and whatever their dream is for their life, I take them to their dream. And I'm working with a family right now in Houston, Texas, where I was there with them last week. And this is the whole thing. The challenge with their daughter, who is 20 years of age, mom and dad have given her everything. Mm. And if she has a need, it's taken care of. So she doesn't understand what life is. She understands what having needs taken care of are. And, you know, she wants to be an adult. (laughs) Yeah. But she doesn't, she can't define the word. Sure, sure. But success is another one of those very, very interesting words. I define success as every day putting one foot in front of the other. Sure. That's what it's about. And so my journey has led me to where I am today. Fantastic. Now, do you have a like that that one pivotal moment uh, where you where you chose God or God chose you or or had you always believed in God since you were very little? When when did that happen? Well, when I was a sophomore in college, I decided I needed to confront my mom and dad. I have sixteen laws that hold my life together. And one of those laws is anything you don't confront, you validate. Right. And so I decided I needed to go back and confront my mom and dad. So I drove back to their home. It was on a Saturday morning. It was 62 miles from my dormitory room to their house. And my heart was about to jump out of my chest. I was was just held hostage by fear at that moment. But I told myself, you got to do this. Right. So I got in my car and I ran didn't walk, ran, because I knew if I walked, I'd run back to my car. Mm. And I knocked on the the screen door, and my dad was the one who opened the wooden door. And when my dad saw me, he just turned pure white. And I wish you could have seen it, because my dad didn't bother to unlock the screen door. He stepped through the screen door. Right. And with one hug, he told me oh, everything wow. that had been going on inside of him. And he literally picked me up and carried me into the living room and called for my mother to come see who was there. And when my mother walked from the kitchen to the living room and saw me, she just froze, never took her eyes off of me. 
reached over with her right hand, picked up her purse, took her car keys out, walked out the back door, got in her car, and drove off. Wow. And I never saw her again. But that was freedom. Sure. Because, John, up to that point, I had lived to prove to my mother she was wrong. Right. And so she owned me. Right. right, She owned me emotionally. Mm -hmm. And every time we live our life to try to prove to someone else who we are, they own us. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. My number one foundational principle for my life is real simple. Why spend my life being a carbon copy when I'm the original? Yeah, man. And God put three men in my life at certain times whenever I was at crossroads. And all of them were there to help me understand what it means to be an original. Because most people live from the outside in, not the inside out. And if I'm living from the outside in, then I give you control of my life. So all I am is an actor in your play. Right. And I never lived the life that God put me on this earth to live. Hmm. And, you know, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. Um, I know what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life on this earth. And last year, my life went through a major transition when I I actually rewrote the purpose of my life. Okay. Because I was doing, every year was doing a, a, a large uh, co- summer convention where we'd have two or 300 people that would come spend a weekend with me. I did that for 30 years, every summer. And I got the realization that what I needed to do is I needed to move from the large group to the small group. So I've ser- started a series of small group retreats that are limited to 15 people. Uh, we've done five so far, and we got one coming up Valentine's weekend. We're doing a couples retreat okay. where we'll have uh, 15 couples that are there. And my theme is, if marriages are made in heaven, why can't they be endured on earth? Oh, wow. And then oh, in, in May, uh, we're doing a leadership retreat because leadership is lacking today. Mm-hmm. What we call leadership is actually participation. It's not leadership. Right. So we're going to talk about the word exceptional. Because I think God wants us to be exceptional. We're not to be average. Um, but if you know, if people are listening, if what they want to be is average, then be average. But stop talking about growth and success. Because what you choose to be is what you become. And you know, I'm I'm working on my twentieth book right now. It'll be out okay. sometime this year. Uh, the title is "So What's Your Excuse?" Hmm. And I just I'm I'm focused on really working to strengthen people from the inside out. Because I think our world today, especially around us, is designed right now to take our strength. I think the, uh, I'm a person, John, who believes that there's an agenda behind every agenda. Sure. And I think the agenda that's guiding this country right now is to destroy the human spirit and to make people dependent on someone else. Sure. And I think that inside of us is the strength. No it's, doubt. The, it's the strength to be the person that we're on this earth to be. But again, we're dealing with fear. And when fear turns to fright, it owns us. Mm. And if you, if, you know, I don't know where you are in your thinking, but when I look around and I see everything that's happening, it's all about power and control. Yeah, absolutely. And I want you. I want you to think that I know what's best for you uh, more than I know what's best for me. Right. 
Right. And I'm just, I'm just led and believe that we've got to get back to helping people strengthen. And so everything I'm doing this first six months, um, I do a Friday open mic where people can call in and we spend an hour and a half. I have a topic and like our topic for this coming Friday, which I'll do the program from Las Vegas, but our, our topic is when you look at your life right now, what's the biggest concern you have about your future? Mm. Um, and then I do a once a month uh, virtual seminar, live virtual seminar, and our first six are all about strengthening some aspect of your life that challenge you every day. And then the last six months, our theme is going to be letting go. How do you let go of the things that hold you hostage? Right. And I'm just having a blast. So you, so you pretty much did this pivot. Of, was it during the pandemic when, when you yep. kind of had that realization of going yep. smaller with the groups? And has 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 everything that you've done changed because because of that, or or because of that pivot that you made? <laughs> I am so tired of doing programs on Zoom. <laughs> oh man, me too. Uh, Zoom poisoning, PowerPoint poisoning. I'm I'm sick of it all. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the way right now. And, you know, as much as I may not like the technology, thank God for the technology. Sure. Because it, it allows us to stay connected with people. Right, and be in more than one place at one time. Yeah. I mean, um, the audience we gather on Friday mornings is just astounding. And it's every Friday at 10 a.m. And Very cool. if people would like to be a part of it, they would just go to Richard Flint Live. Okay, excellent. So that that's, you know, before I ask my last question of you, um, uh, so then that is that the main folks, the main place where folks can reach out to you is, is on your website or? Yeah, uh, it's just richardflint.com. Okay. And uh, everything we're doing and the things we're projecting that we're going to be doing this year. Okay. Um, is all the information is there. Right, right, right. So then you just sign up right there. Yep. Get your tickets on the website. Yep. And uh, the Friday morning session is free. It's open to anybody. And, okay. And we get people. <laughs> we get people from all over the world who call in uh, are there with awesome. us, and it's become a family. Uh, and it's become a family that's connected because there's a hunger out there today that's not being fed. That's right. And the thing that concerns me the most about what I feel as I'm out among people today is the anger that's there. Yeah. And I've never seen anger like this. And the anger is so self-destructive because anger is always focused out. Right. And as it's focused out, I take that anger out on people who may not even be a part of the reason that I don't understand that I'm angry. Yeah, sure. But it's it's there and it's controlling people right now, and it 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 concerns me. Sure, sure. Well, then, what can you know? You've got you've got a, a large platform that you've worked on for many years. What can the average Joe like myself do to participate in you know helping heal the world? Well. First of all, be comfortable in your own skin, okay? And the, the other thing, which to me is important, is understand the world is bigger than you and I. Mm-hmm. But we all have a, a sphere of influence that we live in. Yeah. And rather than try to change the world, create an impact in that sphere of influence yeah. that you have. Yeah, fantastic. And create that presence because it's overwhelming to try to change the world. Sure. 
but I can make a difference in that world, that part of this world that I live in. Right. And that's all I want to do. You know, and what you said, it's it's true about me. I live every day to have a positive presence that is present when I'm not present. Right, right. It's that, I, that, that everlasting thing that when, yeah. when Richard's not there, he's still there. I'm still there. Yeah. And I do that through my books. I do it through my seminars. I yeah. do it through my – through everything that I do is about creating presence. Right. I mean, I bet that sometime in your life you've met somebody you couldn't wait to forget. Sure. <laughs> I won't mention any names, but Yeah. <laughs> But you've had those people that have come through your life that may not even be alive today. Right. But they live still inside of you. Mm. And that's what we want. If we're going to have power to really bring value and substance, sure. then we got to get away from all of this negative stuff. And everything we do is about three things I want. I want people to be better. I want them to be smarter. And smarter to me is listen first, talk second. Right. And then I want them to be stronger. I want them to understand the difference between living from the inside out and the outside in. Fantastic. Because our presence is created from the inside. Hmm. Yeah, great, great, great. Well, final question for you. Uh, first of all, it been an honor having you on. Um, meeting a, a new friend and now, and you're not one of those, those guys that I want to forget when you go away. I hope so, not. you know, what, you know, might want to hang out a little bit more, but, um, so what does, as a, as a business owner, uh, entrepreneur, um, what does Richard Flint need most right now? I, I, I need to understand it. Anyone who owns a business today needs to understand this. Then the business as we've known it will never come back to what it was. That's not going to happen. And I get so many people who talk to me about, you know, when business comes back, and I tell them it's a new world. Right. And they need to have three A's in their life. They need to be able to adapt, which is not easy mm. because most people fight change because they don't see it as improvement. They see it as the loss of something. But the purpose of change is to open our minds to see the areas where we can expand and improve. Mm. And seeing how to adapt is easy. It's the second A that causes sometimes the stress. And that's in after I adapt, I've got to adjust. Right. Which means I got to sit down alone with me and I got to look at what is and I got to figure out, you know, if I'm going to achieve this by adapting, what are the adjustments that I'm going to have to make? Mm. And that's a behavioral thing. Sure. Because when that's you, where the work starts. Yeah. And yeah. you got you got to do it, first of all, by yourself, because you got to figure out what's the purpose for this adapting. What is right. it I'm looking to achieve? And if I can get that in place, then I can say, okay, here are the adjustments that will take me to my third A, and that's in aligning with this new process. Okay. okay. And that's what that's what we have been doing for the past two years. All right. And I'll tell so everybody. So this is something that you are doing continually yeah. in your life, and, and, uh, and thankfully you have an opportunity to share the, the, the methods that you're using with others. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's because if you can adapt, adjust, and align, you remove the self-imposed limitations. All limitations are self-imposed. 
Right. Basically, because fear turns to fright, which freezes us into a circle of repetitive behavior that I become comfortable with. Mm. And I, I, I just have this, this outer feeling that I can't, I can't step out of this. So what do I do? I create an unknown rather than an adventure. Mm. Mm. Wow. So fantastic information. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so, so what's next? Where are you headed? You said, you said you're headed to Vegas. Are you headed? Yep, to- I'm headed to Vegas tomorrow morning early. Okay. Uh, I'll be out there for the rest of the week with a group of people with the convention that I'll be speaking for. And then next week I will be in Tampa. I will be in Destin, Florida, and then I'll be in Atlanta. Great. Great. Really great to meet you. Uh, look forward to hearing more and, and, and following you on social media and, and getting over to your website visiting one of those Fridays. That would be great. Yeah, every Friday, 10 a.m. And again, my website is real simple. It's uh, richardflint.com. And I'll, I'll offer this to your listeners. Okay. If you're struggling with anything in your life that you don't know how to handle, send me a synopsis. Hmm. Just richard at richardflint.com. And I'll give you a sketch of how to deal with it. Fantastic, man. If God's given me one gift, it's the ability to take what looks confusing to you and show you the pathway to, pathway to clarity. At just Richard at richardflint.com. And just know it might take me two or three days to get back to you. Sure. Because of the volume of emails that I, I deal with. And I answer all my own emails. My staff never touches my emails. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Richard, pleasure, and uh, I look forward to, to hear more about your exploits. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Great, man.